Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network's coverage of 24, the number. We always love the number. We did the series on 23. Next week, we're going to do 25, and this week, we're here to do 24. That joke was like about 100 episodes ago, Ben. I don't know why I'm bringing it back. Uh, We're up to episode 11 of the TV series 24 of season 5, 5 p.m., to 6pm. It aired on March the 6th, 2006. I haven't got my historical dates up yet for that. I haven't done my research. That's pretty bad of me, but I'll get to that. Uh, it was written and directed by people called uh, Nic- Nicole Renadive. Was She was writer of this one. This is, first, is that the first time I've had a female write an episode of 24? And uh, directed by John Cassar. Nope. No, it isn't. Look at me being sexist. Good for <laughs> me, Ben. Um, production, woman. production number 5AFF11. Um, just in case any writers are on strike right now on a board, so they're listening. Uh, just wondering, you know, if anything there. Um, quickly on this on that day in 1943, Norman Rockwell published "Freedom for Want" in the Saturday Evening Post with a matching essay by Carlos Bulasan as part of the Four Freedoms series. Cool. And the British ferry MS Herald, a free enterprise capsized in 90 seconds, killed 193 people. So that's what happened on March the 6th. Uh, my name is Ben, and damn it, Colin, this isn't a laundry room. <sighs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> oh, welcome. And my name is Colin, and get it done. Shoot me. Kneecap me. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. I can't play that clip now. Um, also on March the 6th in 2020, so 14 years. Oh, what, who's you, who are you waving to? Why are you sad, Casper? Oh, where's the dog? I want to see Dizzy. You want who to cuddle with you? <laughs> you don't want Dizzy to cuddle with you? Okay. Well, go upstairs and tell her, leave me alone. Cool. You know what I don't want, Casper? For you to interrupt us all the time, but here you are. Yeah, Casper. <laughs> Hi, Casper. Go upstairs. You can have some breakfast, okay? <laughs> you ruined my joke, Casper. Uh, I was about to say, 14 years after this episode aired, 32 people were killed in a gun fire and a ceremony in Afghanistan, but sure. Um, is he on the treadmill yet? Uh, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Give him time. I can't see him. That's where it's scary. <laughs> when he kind of goes into, like, the visual parts that block the room. He seems very calm this morning, yeah. actually, Colin. Yeah, no, no, that scares me, too. <laughs> I know, like, that's 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 freaky. He's always moving in slow motion. Uh, and he's pulling on ropes and that at the moment. I think you might be about to die. Um, this episode is good. I like it. I, <laughs> am I meant to be talking still? Um, much better than last week. And I think there's one moment in this episode that kind of 
maybe takes it from like, a, oh, this is maybe like a high rent. It's pretty exciting to, whoa, okay, that's a that's a buy for me. Uh, and it involves Jack Bauer, a woman and a gun. Uh, Do it. <laughs> Do it. But uh, yeah, a solid episode. Much, much of an improvement. And Tony's back because let's not forget <laughs> that he's in this show still. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually kind of liked last week's episode. Is he singing? But mom, <laughs> Casper, go upstairs, please. Casper, you're too calm. You've got a Unless dog now. Unless you're prepared now. to talk about 24 season five, episode 11, you got to go upstairs. You've got a dog now, Casper. There's much more fun things to play with than daddy. Come on. But he doesn't want to cuddle with the dog. Oh. Uh, go t- torture the dog or something. I don't know. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, for his I, children is showing through again. I, I didn't mind last week's episode. I, I w- wasn't that high on either of the last two weeks. Um, I think even without the do it moment, uh, this is a solid episode. Partly, I think, because it's starting to really build towards something new and interesting. And also, I know where next week's going, and <laughs> this is oh. the perfect setup for it. Wow, next week's going to be fantastic. But um, there's actually a lot of good stuff in this episode, even aside from, you know, Jack and somebody's wife uh, <laughs> doing it. <laughs> doing it. <laughs> but uh, but there's uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. And um, uh, I think in, in particular, some of the trivia in this week's episode is going to be quite interesting to talk about because not everything we see on screen was actually from this episode. Uh, that was uh, one of the most interesting things I learned in trivia. Uh, but yes, as you said, Tony's back. Um, I forgot he existed. I've seen this season multiple times. I knew exactly what was coming. We even talked about last week. And then still when he shows up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's not dead. So I'm actually, yeah, I'm I'm reading this now. So I just want to talk about Tony Quill here. So that was filmed for episode 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. So what, like four episodes ago? Uh, It's episode Mm. seven, which I kind of almost feel would work better. Um, Because the thing that... Uh, we, we talk about how Tony just gets to a point where they just turn him into all these variety of things and really it's just all downhill for Tony from here. was after episode one of this season, let's be honest. But, I mean, he kind of shows up here and is like, oh, I'm alive. Where's Michelle? Don't worry about Michelle. She's off at the hospital getting all that surgery. Oh, okay. I need to talk to Jack. No react. Like, I know Tony knew Jack was alive. But shouldn't yeah. there be, like, more of a reaction, like, when um, Bill's like, yes, and, you know, the target was Jack. Shouldn't Tony be like, what are you talking about, Bill? Jack's yes. dead. Jack's totally dead. I know, Tony. He's alive. No. no, Dead. Dead. Yeah. He, like, why does he just, like, pass it off? Like, oh, well, I need to talk to him then. Like, it's yeah. just, you know, that. And then next scene, he's like, where's Michelle? She's still at the hospital getting the surgery. Oh, okay. <laughs> the surgery. <laughs> Thanks for that. Computer, Michelle Dessa, deceased. Like, like, what does he hope to gain? Like, I'm, I'm, we need something where kind of like he just, an extra scene where maybe he's like, I don't believe you. Is she dead? You're not telling me something. Because he just goes from laying there like, oh, where's Michelle? In the hospital. Okay. Where's Michelle? In the hospital. Okay. <laughs> Computer, deceased. Um, like it just, it's so random and not to take away from Carlos Bernard, like he does his all here. And I like the scene when he kind of drops to his knees with Michelle. Like, oh no, she's dead. But that's it. Like, it's like, yeah. Okay. We needed that scene in this week's episode. Um, <laughs> I kind of think it would have worked four episodes ago and then maybe just have like 
an episode where you kind of have Jack sort of with him because you're not really going to get Jack with Tony until two weeks' time when you've got a very famous scene of, is he or isn't he dead? Like, it's it's just, it feels very out of place, and now it makes sense because I didn't read that trivia bit until just then. I, I just wanted to touch on Tony quickly here because this is just the downfall of Tony. It's just like, what do we do with Tony? Let's just use yeah. this character like a freaking punching bag for the remaining however many seasons he's going to be in. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm starting to discover through watching a lot of these deleted scenes that they're not always deleted as in like, oh, we decided we were going to cut this from the episode. A lot of it seems to be we're going to have alternate scenes. In fact, there's another one in this week's episode where it is very clear they shot an alternate scene at the same time and just said, which one are we going to use? And then other times I think it's like this where they're like, all right, let's shoot it. And if we don't want to use it in this episode, we'll use it in the next one. And a lot these are done in blocks now. I don't even know how much we've addressed that uh, throughout the last couple seasons is that they do two episodes at a time, which is why we get back-to-back directors. So it probably is often, okay, we're going to shoot this scene and then maybe we'll work it into the next episode or something. But there, there doesn't seem to be a reason for breathing room here. You know, this is mm-hmm. something where you need to jump right back into it. So... If you're not going to do this in an earlier episode, I say hold off on this until close to the end of this episode because it's like he's introduced at the beginning and then it's maybe halfway through the episode where you get the Michelle reveal and they very abruptly cut it off, which is like, that's fine. If you're going to come back after a commercial break and show us the second half of that scene, it's just it. it, it, This is almost like we shot it. We're not sure where we're going to use it. Then suddenly they're like, oh, now we've got the scripts. In a couple of weeks, we're going to wrap up this story. So now we need to throw this scene in there. Okay, but we didn't plan for any other scenes to follow this up. So it feels random. And there's just a lot of things that don't work about this. One being, um, when he's first introduced, like you mentioned, there's nothing about, no, Jack is not alive. <laughs> <laughs> we all saw him die. Uh, or even just like, Bill, I got to break something to you. <laughs> Jack. He didn't die, and Bill's like, yes, I know, Tony. (laughs) We found that out about 10 hours ago. Bill, I got shot in the neck. Well, that's the other thing I have a problem with, because you see him with his Phantom of the Opera bandage on half of his face, and Bill asks him, and this is the greatest Tony response ever, so this is one part I'm not going to fault him, where it's like, Tony, how are you doing? He goes, I'm fine. How's Michelle? <laughs> He's got the bandage over half his face. He looks like the Phantom of the Opera. I just wanted to listen. I've been shot in the neck before. You really think this is going to hold me down? <laughs> but I also kind of have a problem with like, and I hate to be knocking Carlos Bernard's acting. So I'm not going to blame it on that. But Tony is a very, in, in an intentional way, a very one note character. He has one mode. There's Tony mode, you know, and that's probably partly Carlos Bernard's performance. It's probably partly the way they write the character. Like, uh, uh, what was it uh, on the the commentary they had? Uh, I can't remember if it was this season or last season where it was um, Sean Callery on, and he was talking about, like, I always hate whenever they give me, like, an action scene involving Tony because it's like, I can't score over the way this man delivers his lines because <laughs> the music's going to drown him out. So when you have this moment where Tony just sort of, like, breaks down and crying, it's I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is good acting, but it's not what you know of Tony. Like you, you mm. have this idea in your head of how Tony would break down and maybe this isn't it. And it, it's just, if, if they had maybe written it differently, if Carlos Bernard had 
perform this maybe more in a Tony way. It's a, I feel like this is like, yeah, well, Tony's not like a, a breakdown and cry and sob guy. Yeah. And maybe there would be some objection, like no fault against him. If I had never seen any episode with Tony Almeida prior to this, and this was guest star Carlos Bernard as Jack Smiggins, you know, <laughs> I'd probably be like, wow, what a moment. But it's just, it doesn't match what I know of Tony. And it's it, it it could be a great moment it's just it catches you too off guard and it takes you a little bit too much out of the moment and literally we get him a little bit i think he's like a scene with bill next week like oh boohoo why did michelle it's 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 very anakin why did michelle have to die <laughs> um i could have stopped it but also like why is bill not stopping it speaking yeah. of stopping it he he sees oh oh we got a problem in here and then tony's like get off of me get off of me and then he's going to the computer bill knows what he's gonna find and he's just watching him. It's like, I kind of, I yeah, don't mind he? it because like, I mean, if you go to stop him, like that makes it a bit obvious. Like well, at, at like, that point, you're kind of going to give it away no matter what. I know that there's been debate over like the last couple episodes when they said, oh, Tony's awake now. And if somebody was saying, don't tell him about Michelle and so, somebody else. So I, I, I want to go back and revisit. Was it Bill who was the one saying, he needs to know. Oh, no, it was in this episode. It was in this episode because the doctor, do, the doctor's like, he can't know because he's got a subdural. He got shot in the face, oh, yeah. and if he, and if you tell him, it will bleed. So don't tell yeah. him. But but I mean, prior to this, when they were just talking about like, oh, when when he's awake, like when the last couple of weeks there was another conversation. It might have been Jack or it might have been Bill who was like, you're not going to tell him. If that's Bill, then I think I'm more okay with this moment because we have that build up. But I mean, I've forgotten it build already. But up. if build up (laughs) the bill has the build up (laughs) yes all right sorry you had more to add um i the thing that that i I, i'm so i don't know if this makes me weird or whatnot but this whole time when tony's all like where's michelle i need to speak to jack i want him to be like shit our b&b we had guests today like (laughs) with like him and michelle like got blown up like i mean that's their business that's their livelihood you know? Oh, what about the meeting? Oh. She did have that meeting with George or whoever it was, like to discuss the drapes. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I know I've got car bomb before, but it might make the news now. Like, boom, an explosion outside. Michelle and Tony's B&B now available on weekends. Um, yeah, I don't know why. Oh, my premium's going to go up. I got to report <laughs> the accident now. Because it's important to add Tony there. Because, like, again, like, it's just next week, the week after, and then technically for, like, two seconds in the week after. And bye-bye, Tony. We won't see you to season seven. Because he's burned. Um, as much as I love that episode, we're going to have some complaints about that. But the beauty of this episode, we've kind of got like four bits to talk about. But the famous last words, a lot of these can be gelled over. Let's gel over the Logan stuff because all that happens really with the Logan stuff is Charles is all like, oh, I should have, I should have told her she's going to hate me. And then Martha's all like, oh, he didn't stop me. And then... Again, going back to last week about how this should be a bigger deal that the Russian president nearly got murdered on U.S. soil. Like, literally, we cut to the scene by the highway. There's a couple of beat cops standing there. A couple of paramedics. The first lady of the United States of America is just standing there with the gals on her head. The president and the first lady of Russia is having a cuddle. Like, this is an international incident. (laughs) Like, again... Like, at the time of recording this, we've just seen, like, some military person trying to overthrow Putin. This is, like, you know, a big fucking deal in Russia. If Putin got nearly murdered in the States, Moscow's bombing DC the next day, probably. Like, mm. make this, like, the president of freaking Burkina Faso or New Zealand or something like that, a country no one gives a shit about. Like, no offense to Burkina Faso, all the events in New Zealand. Um, but, <laughs> but it's just... 
I, I just, I just, it, I, again, I go, TV show's got a TV show. There's so many incidents happening in this season that if every single one was to be treated like a certain way, we'd be here all day. But like, it just baffles me that they're just kind of like, oh, well, whatever. And the master's all like to Aaron, oh, he knew, he knew and he didn't do anything to stop it. Helicopter's here. Okay. And then they just like <laughs> get off to the helicopter and they just fly off like the Suvorov, like it's just Johnny and Jenny from Walmart. Like just get the helicopter <laughs> off your pop. And then I love it when they land back at like the retreat. And Martha's all like, oh, fuck you, George. 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 His name's George. Now. George. <laughs> Mason's back. Mason's back. Fuck you, George. And then I love it when, like, Logan goes up to, like, uh, the Sumerovs. And what's the face? Old orange tree woman, Anya. It was horrible. I can't imagine the orange trees would have liked that. <laughs> and then she walks up to go sniff some orange trees. And then you've got old hypocritical Logan here because um, Sumerovs all like, what happened there? What what happened? And he's all like, oh, oh well, funny should ask. So, um, yeah, like, Centox gas. It's pretty bad. We think they might be involved in that. That is terrible. How long have you known? Yeah, we just found out. So I need you to honour the treaty and give us all your information. Why doesn't Sura just be like, ah, oh, bitch, please, you give us all your information. Like, you know more than I do. Like, Hypocrite Logan, hypocrite United States of America here, like the treaty. As long as Russia gives up everything, America doesn't have to give up anything. But the funniest bit is, is when like, I can't remember what Logan says, but I love the way Subarov just storms off without like, Logan says something like, it's okay, we will find everything. And Subarov's like, huh! and he just like storms off. He's like, I'm going to drink vodka. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's funny. Um, and basically the rest of this episode, because I, I should mention like the bit where Logan says to like Aaron, like, oh, he knew, he knew. And Aaron's like, that's not true. It's not possible. No, search your feelings, Aaron. You know it to be true. No, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, basically the rest of the episode is uh, Charles trying to essentially beg to Martha. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. You should have stood up to him. You should have, you have a man. You should have balls. Um, and then so she storms off into a room. Uh, I love when like Logan goes and is like, I want to, I want to see her, and Evelyn's like, No, she specifically said to block you. Then Aaron goes in, and we get a bit of like, Oh, what's going on here? Old Big Red's getting a bit of touchy feely from old Martha. <laughs> uh oh. But then Mike just happens to be standing there, um, and sees them like holding hands. Which I gotta say, I don't like this moment from Aaron. Like it seems just out of character. Like when. Aaron's like, oh, Mike, it wasn't what it looked like. Like, he seems a bit whiny, and it just kind of feels a li- like, what does he say? It wasn't what it looked like, sir. And he's just like, well, you better make sure that whatever it was, it really wasn't what it looked like. Yeah, it's like nothing nothing happened. It's like, well, then you better make sure nothing happens ever again. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it just feels a bit odd the way Aaron did. And, like, this is obviously going to set stuff up, and I I don't know if this was ever planned or this was just a writer's responding to the shipping on the internet because people were shipping this couple very early on this season. And I mean, we've talked a lot about how the writers of 24 did pay a lot of attention to the fans. So like Cubby, Jack's little man bag, things like that references along the way. So, I mean, if we ever got John Kazar back on the show or how Gordon, I'd love to ask him, like, did you just make this a thing because people on the internet wanted this to be a thing? Mm. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm indifferent on Martha and and Aaron. Like I like it in principle, but at the end of the day, like the defense is, oh well, she hooked up with him because of what happens with Charles. 
She's fucking touching him up right now before she knows anything is wrong with Logan. So I'm saying right now, no. Um, you're cheating on your husband. Um, and- she also basically invited Walt to reach inside her blouse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but that's kind of really it from Logan. Uh, I think he has a phone call with CTU at one point just to get an update. But yeah, it's not the, the greatest Logan episode. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like the Martha and Pierce stuff because it, it it happens very subtly and I wasn't really following the internet that closely to, you know, know what the fan response was or to even know when the fans got on board with this. But I've liked throughout this season to just see the little things they've done with, you know, him having a little bit of sympathy on her, you know, him finding her in the, uh, what, the stables. <laughs> and then when she's like, I'm I'm going with the Subarovs. No, ma'am. I'm going with the Subarovs. All right, I'll come too. Uh, <laughs> I like them as like, well. Let's go for a drive. <laughs> but but uh, this is one of those alternate scenes that uh, I mentioned where they probably are like, okay, we'll we'll shoot two ways and then we'll see which one we want to go with because the alternate scene that that you can look on the DVD here between Martha and Pierce is basically everything except for the touch in the same scene. and And it's played a lot less obvious too, even when she's like, you saved me, Agent Pierce. Thank you. Like there, there's, there's no real flirtation at all. It's just sort of like a, I, I'm glad you're here. And he's just sort of like very much holding his composure and being Secret Service man, where he's like, "Yes, ma'am, it's my job." <laughs> and, and you could see why they, if that they had decided to go with that, it probably still would have been cut from the episode because it doesn't really amount to anything. There's nothing coming in with the handhold or anything like that. So I watched that scene and then I immediately after that ended, it cut back to the actual episode. And then you see the scene with the hand and everything. And I I feel like they just decided we're going to shoot both ways because we're not sure if we're going to go this direction or not. And then they decided before this movie or before this episode aired, okay, we're going to go with the Martha and Pierce thing and at least set it up going forward. And I kind of like this because it, it, it gives you more context uh, because we're not really going to get any resolution of this until next season but you can start to see where they're going with this. And I feel like it 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 still plays in a way where it doesn't have to be a flirtation thing. Although I'm with you that you could have done this scene without the whole, I didn't do anything, I swear, nothing happened. Or even just have Mike address this as opposed to Pierce. Mm. And maybe that would have been a little bit uh, more left up in the air. But yeah, there is a little bit of defensiveness from Pierce because in the end of your secret service and the first lady just had this traumatic incident and she touched your hand. I mean, it's basically your job. Don't do anything inappropriate, but if they want to hug, if they want to lean on you for support, like that's your job. You sit there and you do it. You know, Jill, you Jill do it. Biden and gets it. hugs every day. She's walking around going, Hey, agent 0012, give me a cuddle. Okay. Mrs. <laughs> Vice, Mrs. Vice president. That's come a different woman, but you know what I mean? Like just, Jill's a hugger. All the women are the same in the white house. They just love a hug. Come here. Give me a hug. You. <laughs> But yeah, I think if you just simply take out the whole, I didn't do anything, have Mike address this as opposed to Pierce, maybe the scene plays a little bit better. But I still I still like this. I like to see where it goes. And I like that she's basically calling for him right away too. Yeah. She's like, oh, I don't want to see Charles. Bring me Agent Pierce. Bring, bring, me, the, bring me the ginger one. The <laughs> I ringer. want a real man. <laughs> I want to see if the carpets match the drapes. Come on, Pierce. The ginger bowl. Uh, but, but I also got a question when Charles comes to the door and Evelyn's like, I'm sorry, she doesn't want to see you right now. And he's like, I'm the president of the United States. Step aside, woman. <laughs> Can he have the authority to say, listen, 
I know that your job is to be the handmaiden, <laughs> be the Padme to Queen Amidala here. <laughs> but I'm the president of the United States. Step aside. She's like, yes, sir. Like, I- I'm giving you a presidential order. And he just backs down so easily. I mean, I- I'm not questioning one way or the other whether th- this could happen. I'm just saying... For anybody out there who works in the way for for Jill Biden, big listener of this show, hello, anybody, Jill. any of the other women in the White House, just tell me if the president comes in Colin, and says, "I want to see the, in the first White lady." House, come on, that'll be the <laughs> Next day. Thing you're tell me the women can drive, they can revolt. Women can do things. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I just I want somebody to confirm if the president can give a presidential order. No, I'm coming in now. I I mean, I get it, but at the same time, like. Couldn't they just do anything then? Like Joe Biden's like walking down the street, like do 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 do. I'm the president. Sees a woman. You, you're attractive. <laughs> Sleep with me. No, I'm the president. That's, that's an order. That, that, I think that's what Bill Clinton did. Wasn't True. It? <laughs> um, <laughs> walks into a Mercedes. I want that Mercedes. I'm the president. <laughs> Give it to me. Like double yeah. seven. I want to take Noah's position. You're fired, Noah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, but I mean, I guess Donald Trump probably did that all the time, didn't he, as well? So, um, but yeah, I, 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 I do. <laughs> I just got the. This is my faithful handmaid and Padme, uh, <laughs> my loyal bodyguard. <laughs> uh, I've lost where I was going with that. Um, I think with the other stuff, like, I, I mean, CT, you can kind of gel over. I know it's kind of, I guess, connected in a way to the twist at the end and then the the possibly late Julian Sands. Um, yeah. Just an update on that from last week. Uh, they've found body parts or remains in the area he went missing. They haven't confirmed it's Julian Sands, um, but sad. Uh, we yeah. didn't do it. We didn't mention it at any <laughs> point when we started talking about Julian Sands that well, this guy might die in a week. Well, I mean, okay, we didn't address. Yes, if anything, this is the opposite of Roger Moore and and uh, Sean Queen of England, Sean Connery, and all the other people that we killed. This is like the guy went missing. We didn't address it, but in all fairness, the first time we did address it this season on <laughs> the Aussie Network, with we they found human remains. So. We, yeah. we had no idea. <laughs> Authorities, we just directed where they were. <laughs> I love so much. It's not us. It's not, it's not there. It's like, that's Amelia Earhart. There she is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Julian says like, hello, I'm alive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, CTU really, it's just outside of the Tony stuff. It's, I, I love how they've got like, this is, I think within six minutes or something, Curtis has got a body from the Russian attack. Like, <laughs> did this happen next door to CTU? Cause it's all like, Hey, I've got the, uh, that body from the Suvorov attack. How? Like, I mean, where did it come from? Do you have teleportation at 24 now? Um, and it's all like, I found this schematic. It looks like a, an air duct. Hmm, definitely an air duct. It's got 1800 on it. Definitely happening the next hour. Like, that's all he says. To which then Bill walks out and is like, Hey, Ryan, we've got a, a tiny little schematic. Check against building records. It's very bad, though. This could kill thousands of people. It's literally like this big. It says 1800 on it. This could be like an architect going like, yeah, this is my 1800s design of the day. Like talk about jump to conclusions, CTU. Did they, I'm just curious, I missed in the episode, but do they say it could kill kill thousands? No, Bill says it. So like literally after Curtis shows him it and it might be Chloe or Audrey questions him, like he has had no other context outside of 
we need to find where this is. To which he then jumps to, this could kill thousands. It's clearly like a large industrial building. But like, how do you know? It could be like, I, you know, Lynn's apartment, Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> yeah, this is where Jenny is right now. It's yeah. only going to kill the, the the cocaine addicts or whatever. Um, but no, uh, but the only reason I brought that up is because later on, which I'm jumping ahead of you, but later on when he's on the phone with the, the head of security or whatever for the hospital, uh, Bill's already said they could kill thousands. And then the head of security of the hospital is like, do you realize we have 600 people in this building? Like, now you're dropping the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry. It's only 600 now. Bill's a drama queen. That's what we're going to say. <laughs> James Morris in the back says, James, you're a drama queen. And hang up. Thanks, James. <laughs> um, but so anyway, yeah, they're going to find out where this is. And eventually they find out it's a hospital. I think I wrote this down. So I think they say like Tyler Memorial. And I love Bill like kind of does almost like a sinister, like turns to the camera, a hospital. Like it's kind of like a hospital. Like dun, dun, dun. Um, and I think Curtis has a line here somewhere like, there's lots of people in that. They could die. Uh, like he's got some like really like Curtis line. So they're all like, do, 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 do. We're going to the hospital. We've got this head of security who, I don't know if they're trying to make him a bit Doug Savanti from season three in the hotel, but he's, he's no Doug Savant. Yeah. Come on, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> I just watched Doug Savant's episode of Nip Tuck recently. Good guy. Um, but... Yeah, so they're like, oh, I've got 600 people here. So Curtis is on, this is like a real Curtis on the scene type of action episode. It's the first time we've really got Curtis yeah. kind of taking over. So they're hunting around. Uh, the security guard realizes, oh, this guy's definitely not an orderly. He's Russian. We don't hire foreigners in this hospital. We're America. Um, so they find this guy. <laughs> I love Curtis. When he finds this guy and he basically, this terrorist is like running away. He's like, stop! And this guy like, like stops, moves his head, and Curtis just goes, bang, 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 shoots him. Like, he doesn't even give him time to, like, think or anything like that. Um, he's dead. And then, so they're all like, oh, no, we found the canister. Don't touch it. It might go off. And then this, like, random CTU guy finds, like, a counter on him. And, like, I think Blind Freddy and his dog could realize that this is clearly the counter for the canister. But one of them is like, it's a countdown, clearly for a device like the canister. It's like... Thank you, Captain Obvious. But then the funny, like, I don't say this is funny because I actually do really like this scene, but it's also kind of cheesy. It's when they're all like, we've got a minute and 44 seconds. I can't, do, I can't defuse the bomb in that time. It's like, okay, we'll have to remove it. But sir, the odds of removing it from the building are 87,000. Never tell me the odds. And then Curtis like grabs it. And you got this like great C, which is just like Curtis, like, I'm Curtis Manning gonna stop the canister. And he's like running through the hospital. He's like, move, move, everybody move. It literally, for some reason, it reminds me of the Austin Powers scene when he's like going, move, move, no. And he's just like so far away because literally nobody in the hospital gives a shit. No one outside gives a shit. They're just looking at this guy and like, the fuck's that guy doing? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Curtis, <laughs> like, move, move, it's dangerous. Like, oh, what? Okay, well, he's having a bad day, isn't he? Um, and then he rushes it in, gets it into the van. Curtis saves a day. Yeah, Curtis, fuck yeah, America. Um, but I guess through connected all that with CTU is the possibly late great Julian Sands is directing his guy here. It's a bit of a MacGuffin, really, this one, because clearly they're trying to distract CTU because the real plan here is that we're going to get to the cliffhanger. He's that. Oh no, CTU is going to be targeted again. What are the fucking odds? Um, but so how this is happening, which I've got a question about this, which I'll get to. So Lynn's in holding. 
I love how like they're treating him like he's a fucking terrorist. Like, oh yeah, you're not, you're not going anywhere, Miguel. <laughs> Give me a badge in your gun. I know you're kind. You sit down. I mean, CT, you're surprised I'm not torturing him. Um, <laughs> Sarah last season, within two seconds, you're being tortured. Um, <laughs> but then, like, Lynn's all like, you know, getting done nothing wrong. He's like, oh, can I please just have a phone call? It's it's my sister. She's in trouble. So she's all like, hey, druggy, you got that key card of mine, you <laughs> bitch? I'll get it to you. And then old Drago boyfriend here is all like, no, that's our credit card. It's worth $20,000. Where are you getting $20,000 from? Don't worry, we're going to get all the blow. Basically, by the end of the episode, they're being killed in a really cool... I love the scene when this uh, Russian guy, like, executes them. Um, mm. And that's when we find out plot to his CTU, which I'll get to in a second. But the question I've got to ask here. So, this is why I didn't complain as much about, oh, no, random CTU agent's family drama, because this does actually lead to something. But how did this guy, like... I don't know, maybe this explained next week, but basically... So Julian Sands has gone to his henchman and said, you need to find someone in CTU to get in. Oh, by the way, Lynn McGill, who doesn't work for CTU, is only going to be brought in as an interim director randomly. Um, He has a sister who's addicted to smack, who has a boyfriend who you can bribe. So how about you get her to call him to give him money, to give her money, bash him, steal the wallet, get the card, lead us on for like four hours, and then we'll come and pay you $20,000 to actually kill you. Because all the plot holes of that is Julian Sands is not even involved in this plot until last minute when What's-His-Face fucked up because America double-crossed them. So therefore, and then his initial plan is to go to Russia and to Moscow. So what happens if, like, Logan had gone, okay, here's Suvorov's route. (laughs) Okay, kill him. He kills Suvorov. Thank you very much. We've got our done. Off to Moscow we go. Hey, cocaine guy, we don't need the card anymore. <laughs> Lol, sorry. Like, there's just mm-hmm. so many questions here I've got to ask. Like, it, it, this is almost on level with Skyfall about the planning. Like, it's kind of like, it's fun to watch, but if you actually analyze it, it doesn't make sense. And on top of that, I'll also get you to talk about, oh, look, CTU's getting attacked again. I mean, no wonder America in the 24 universe gets attacked so many times by terrorists. The terrorist agency gets attacked. I mean, come on. Yeah, um, I mean, this is some of the best stuff in the episode for mm. entertainment, but I mean, every single thing you mentioned there, I made notes of. One, why is Lynn McGill being held as a terrorist? Like, it's one thing to say he's in a holding area, but then when Bill comes in and says, okay, I want to make a phone call, you don't get the privilege <laughs> of a phone call. He's he's not under arrest. I you saw just... you in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this isn't Mordor, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Brendan Fraser here to save you. No cavemen. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the the big problem with this is that Lynn is from Division. He reports to somebody from Division. As soon as you have replaced him, you got to call up Division and say, yeah. listen, we have to remove Lynn McGill for this reason. They're like, point. all right, I want a full report. And then whether Lynn's making the call or not, somebody at Division right now has been told Lynn McGill has gone crazy. Uh, Jamie just heard me and she texted me, can Brendan Fraser save me with a little uh, smiley face with hearts for eyes. <laughs> I'll fight you for it. Fight you for it, Jamie. save all of us. <laughs> he saved everyone this year when he won an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
but uh but yeah like somebody at division lynn's boss is going to be asking questions and at the very least they're sending a new replacement like we saw after Mason went down, how quickly Chappelle came in. Yeah. And after Chappelle went down, how quickly this person came. Even in season one, where they sent, what's her name? Al- Alberta Green or whatever in. Like, there's always somebody coming in quickly. I mean, they, they could be like, okay, well, Bill is, you know, Bill's still there. We trust him. But they're at least asking questions. Well, this is a very good point, actually, because you got to think about it. Like, Division aren't just going to go, uh, g'day, Division, how you going? Uh, this is frank in accounts um letting you know uh they've just evoked section 112 here uh so lynn has been put in holding and bill's taken place i don't think division is gonna hold oh, that lynn there uh, again scallywag oh jeez. <laughs> well bill's pretty capable i know we sent lynn over because they were doing things badly there but oh well lol that happened like we, i don't from memory i don't think we get anyone until homeland security takes over in about like probably i don't know like eight episodes time or something yeah, like there's there's a lot of questions about this, but I, I love that Sean Astin has completely done a 180. Like we talked about how random it is that he just had this outburst last week and then there was a whole gun standoff. And then all of a sudden he's like, Bill, I understand what you did, what you did. You know, like this is what's so great about his character yeah. is that you do get that he's just this guy who's just snapped, but he, he snapped momentarily. So if anything, I'm siding with him even more because mm. you gave us one thing last week where he fired, fired Sarah or whatever, or whatever new Sarah uh, fired her. And that's the only thing he did that he wasn't justified. And the only thing he did without reason or with logic behind it. And now all of a sudden he's come right back and said, yeah, I made a mistake. Let me get back to work. It's a man at, right at least, there. That's a real man. Uh, but, but it's just, it, it it makes me sympathize with him even more. Maybe that was the point. I don't know, but uh, I have all the same questions about the key card storyline because it's funny when I haven't, we haven't watched this for several years. I mean, the first couple times I watched this season, uh, maybe it didn't stand out to me as much. I wasn't nitpicking as much, but the memory I sort of had from years ago, the last time I saw this was that Lynn lost the card and the sister and the boyfriend or whatever. It's like, let's find a way if we can make money and somebody just sort of stumbled across this. But that that would have been a little bit of a leap in logic. Oh, they just happened to find this card and they, they just happened to get hooked up with this. But at least it's an explanation. Go one way or the other. Give us some explanation because now I have all these questions. Does, does the guy even have a contact? Did he think, I'm going to sell this to somebody and he started placing calls to... Random bad guy, no. Hey, drug dealer, do you know anybody who wants a key card to CTU? No, no, but maybe Jerry does. And he calls up Jerry and it's like, ah, no, but you know, there's Gary actually wanted and calls up Gary and he's like, well, Larry over there in in, in the terrorist (laughs) office. (laughs) Barry definitely has a need for it. Barry's working with some bad Russians. Uh, Like, how do they get connected? Because I feel like that would be the explanation is that he's just calling around and then somebody's like, Ooh, somebody out there, one of our one of our guys on the street, uh, one of the guys on the street, <laughs> they found a key card. Great. Uh, but I, I don't think that this was something where it was ever given away at the time. But does it kind of give it away a little bit where they're talking about the targets? And we even have that scene with Jack later on where he's like, wait, wait till I have some issues with that, where he talks about there's going to be 18 potential attacks with this Centox nerve gas. We don't need to worry about just the one. And when you see the whole thing with the key card and that then you have the guy showing up, 
you pretty much know at that point, oh, this is going to be one of their spots they're going to attack. I don't think you need that moment at the end. It's like, we've got the key card. We're going into CTU. Which, which again, yeah, no, you're right. And I, But, like, even just, I know I'm jumping ahead to the jackpot with that 18 attacks, but, again, this is where just, like, sometimes this tariff plotline does annoy me a little bit because you've got, like, these multi-tiered factors of... Oh, America betrayed us. We're going to attack America. Bang. No, bad terrorists. We only attack Russia. Mm. Well, fuck you, President. We're attacking America. Like, it just it, it <laughs> doesn't make, like, what is their actual goal? Their goal was meant to be to attack Russia. Um, but now they're just like, oh, girl, President. I just wanted Gary or Larry or Jerry to be like, I say we attack Burkina Faso. And everybody just looks at him. It's like, you will get in line. <laughs> Burkina Faso, seriously? Well, just Canada. I mean, God, if you can't get into it, I mean, just up north. No, all, the, all the Canadians on the show, where's our representation? Where's CTU Canada? Oh, eh, I believe there's a canister in our building. Oh, sorry, eh? You can put it over there, eh? Now, uh, I have a question for you, for somebody who's rewatched the upcoming episodes uh, within the last little bit. Uh, Kim getting introduced. Uh now, does Audrey call her? Because there's a deleted scene in this episode that uh, plays somewhere in the middle where Audrey finally makes that call a Jack asked her to make 10 episodes ago where she calls Kim. So can you come in a CTU? And she's like, oh, you know, I just have bad memories since my dad's dead and all. And you see like C. Thomas Howell there and everything. And she talks about leaving town. Like it's a long scene and it, it, it definitely wouldn't fit in this episode. But I don't know if this is like the Tony situation where it's going to be the exact same scene that they play in no, a week or two. No, it's so next week. And it's one of my favorite scenes in all of this season when you actually see her for the first time. Um, so no, you don't. And I read that. It's and, not an Audrey call. And, no, you don't. And I'm glad like you just see her in CTU. Um, so oh, okay. I'm, I'm glad they deleted that because I think it removes any effectiveness that next week has. Yeah. Well, and the other problem is that we know that Jack asked her to do this like 10 hours ago. Lazy Audrey. So, come on. Yeah, for her to just suddenly be like, oh, Kim, uh, sorry, I forgot to call you 10 hours ago. But it, obviously she knows nothing about Jack in this scene. And it, it runs on a little bit long, too. Like, the, the way it plays out is there's a phone call with Kim. There's a lot of awkwardness where she's like, oh, I haven't wanted to come back since my dad's dead and all. And she's like, well, we were going to be going out of town, but I guess I could stop by. And then there's another scene with C. Thomas Howe where he's like, I thought you never wanted to go back there because of bad memories of your dad dying. Is Who's on? And then there's like a scene where it's like, Who's this Audrey? Well, she was a woman my dad was seeing before Ooh. he died. It's like it this it did not work as a scene. Is his name C. Thomas Howe? Like C. Spot Run? Yeah, exactly. C. <laughs> Thomas Howe. You know, do you know who C. Thomas Howell is? I like, I, 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 mean, I know the character, but I mean enlighten me. is this guy a, a big deal, is he? Or well, like back in the 80s, he was one of these guys who was like uh, you know, projected like, oh, he could become the next big star. It never quite happened. But uh, I'm going bang Alicia Cuthbert in this show. That's a pretty big deal. I'll be happy with that. <laughs> he finally made it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, like he he was in E.T. He was one of the kids in the first E.T. The big one was The Outsider. He was a kid so if, in E.T.? How much did he age? <laughs> well, uh, we're talking like uh, that was like, what, 1982. But like the very next year, the, the movie The Outsiders, Franz Ford Coppola, the guy that made The Godfather made it. The Outsiders was like the movie where everybody who's big in the 80s started in The Outsiders. Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze, Emilio Estevez. Uh, look at this. Matt Dillon, uh, Ralph Macchio, Diane Lane, Rob Lowe. That's the cast of The Outsiders all before they're famous. C. Thomas Howell, though, was like the lead of that movie. And it's sort of just a thing probably because of like all the big actors in that movie, like Tom Cruise and everybody else who went on to such big things. 
and C. Thomas Howell, who is the lead of that movie and was very good in it, uh, is the guy who sort of didn't go on to as much. Uh, but uh, yeah, he he's one of these guys where it, people are just like, oh, whatever happened to him? Uh, so I, I remember when he showed up here, it's like, oh, C. Thomas Howell, he's still alive. No knock against him. I mean, I think he's actually really good in the show. He's better than the other old guy we're going to get in a couple of seasons. But uh, Well, I've got two complaints about C. Thomas Howell. First of all, if he was a kid in E.T., 20 years later, he aged significantly. And secondly, who calls yourself C. Thomas Howell? <laughs> like, your name's Christopher from what I'm seeing here, Christopher <laughs> Thomas Howell. Like, I'm not just going to be B. James Waterworth. Like, that just sounds a bit stupid, wanky. That's why you lost your career, mate. You um, know, he, he was also the one of the two leads in Red Dawn. So talk about a, a you know drop, like, significance in the 80s. I mean, when I say kid in E.T., I, he was, like, I don't know, maybe 13, 14, maybe even 15. Still, he looks like about time. 60 in this show, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> I mean, I know we're jumping ahead. We're not just C.T. Howe week next, until next week. But apparently there's websites, cthow.net. Which, if you go to now, it's clearly expired because the headlines on this are elaborate on elaborate on the equity and formula for making passive income and experience a Vietnamese light nightlife. Ooh. Um, also, the other thing I wanted to quickly ask: um, Kim doesn't know Jack's alive, but I, I guess we didn't see it early on. But when Jack was like the suspect of like the murder of David Palmer, surely yeah. that would have been on the news. So surely Kim's like tuning in. President David Palmer has been shot. The suspect, Jack Bauer, a former CTU agent. Like, did that not leak to the well, media? That's why Audrey placing this call so late. And and I'm glad they cut it from the episode and that she does just show up at CTU because she just shows up at CTU. Then you could theorize, okay, well, Audrey called her right away and it just took her 10 hours to get here. But that, that was the whole reason Jack wanted Audrey to call her is because, hey, this is probably going to leak out. She's going to hear about it. I'd rather hear about it from you. So the fact that this many hours later, she hasn't heard about it is is like, really? <laughs> Did you want to add? I know I sort of lumped a lot in there. I actually lumped all oh, the, the Curtis, Curtis stuff? action stuff. Did you want anything on the yeah. hospital Curtis stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is very similar to the hotel. But I mean, I, I talked up in season three how much I love the hotel, just having a location with all the innocent civilians. And even the mall, the mall kind of did this. But uh, I think this does it a little bit better. Uh, the, 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 this was like before the dark night. I mean, the dark night was a movie where, you know, obviously we're attacking a hospital that kind of became a big thing. But I mean, this is years prior to even the dark night. I, I almost wish that they had stretched this out over a couple of weeks too, because like they've evacuated the hospital in about, uh, he even says there's like 600 patients in this hospital. Some of them are in surgery. Uh, I do love Curtis's moment though, or he goes in and he's basically Curtis on the scene and mm -hmm. then he's like, all right, I want you to check every farmhouse, outhouse. And he gets his <laughs> He's basically in this one. He's like, I want you to check every OR, every ER, every HR, every PR, every every RRR, like every, every Grey's Anatomy, every, every, every ER, everything that ends in an R in this building is being checked until we find this man. Chicago Hope. Uh, <laughs> the the biggest reboot in Chicago Hope. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, during that uh, battle at Chicago Hope ER, I remember like there were people who were diehard Chicago Hope, and I remember at the time thinking like. Well, ER, like the first couple of years, Don't you know, it definitely show was a better out. show. I, I, I was obsessed with ER the first couple of years. And then I remember after a while, I'm like, you know, I think Chicago Hopes might be slightly better now. I've gone back to try rewatching Chicago Hope, and that show doesn't hold up like ER Name does. one it is famous person. Who was even in Chicago Hope? Well, was not Mark was Mark Harmon the Chicago Hope guy? Uh, yeah, I'm saying. Hector I'm, Elizondo? Mandy Patinkin was Hector in it. Mandy Patinkin? Uh, Thomas Gibson. <laughs> oh, v. There he is. Um, 
Is Mandy he? Patinkin. Hang on, yeah. isn't Thomas? Isn't he Greg? From, he is Thomas. That's who I'm thinking. I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah, it took me a while to click. Oh, I thought you would have picked up on no, it. No, because everybody no, now think... knows him from Criminal Minds. But I'm like, no, it's Greg from Dharma and Greg. Uh, I, I remember the big one on Chicago Hope though was uh, Peter Berg. He was like basically Noah Wiley. Aww. He was the young doctor, but Peter Berg kind of quit acting, and he's the guy who went on to do Friday Night Lights and uh, every every movie with uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg, and uh, I think he did Hancock too. But uh, yeah, look at the movies that he's directed. The Kingdom, Friday Night Lights, Hancock, Battleship, Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, Patriot's Day, Mile 22, uh, obviously Friday Night Lights, the TV show as well. Um, yeah, so Peter Berg went on to big things, just not as an actor. Eric Stoltz was in it. Eric Stoltz was on it. Lauren, sure, it wasn't Michael J. Fox. Lauren, <laughs> Lauren Holly was in Chicago. So her career must have I been doing well. I think she came in. Yeah, I think she came in later because, um, like David E. Kelly was the guy who did Chicago Hope. I'm pretty sure. And uh, the other was mm. in the Picket Fences was the show Lauren Holly was on. I think when that got canceled, he said, "I'm going to move over to Chicago Hope." But uh, the, the Curtis stuff. So sorry. The, the, the biggest silly moment of this episode is where they find the Candace. They're searching every O R E R outhouse and all that. And uh, they're in the basement at this point after he shoots the guy. And then you get other agent who's like, Agent Manning, I think you better come here. This guy's already got his hazmat suit on. You better come in here. Outside the door, he hands Curtis the gas mask. And then they walk in. The door is wide open. And I love <laughs> Curtis. He should just be like, listen, if we're going to die, the door's open. <laughs> we're all here. Why am I putting this on? <laughs> they're very protective. They're very protective. A fun fact that I just learned, uh, the actress who plays Jenny is called Penny Balfour. So I'm like, oh, is she related to Eric Balfour? Eric? But according to 24 Wiki, she is not related to recurring 24 guest star Eric Balfour. So thank you for that, 24 <laughs> Wiki. I'm glad you did the research for me without having to uh, to do that. So um, do we rip Jenny shot in the head? Whatever? No. I'm um, nah. <laughs> Cocaine addict. She deserved to die. Um They all deserve to die. The Jack stuff, I mean, great. I mean, really Jack's in a car for a lot of this episode. He's on the phone, like, oh that Henderson he double crossed me. Grr, damn dirty Henderson. Um, you were stupid last week, Jack, so we established that. Um So he's all kind of like, Oh I I love it. I love it. what does he say when he rings up CTU? And he's like Henderson double-crossed me. He tried to kill me. I survived. Thanks, Jack. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Did you make it out, Jack? Yeah. Tell us. I'm talking to you. I'm alive. (laughs) I'm dying to know. (laughs) I checked it into Curtis's episode. He tried to kill me. I survived. I got Jack on the line. Curtis tried to kill him. Did he succeed? Well, knowing Jack is probably dead but alive. We never, never know. He's dead or alive. <laughs> you spin me right round. Bring back, hashtag bring back dead or alive. Um, but so he's all like on the phone, like, oh, damn it. He's got to have another computer somewhere. Uh, Jack's a bit of a dick to Chloe this episode, which I absolutely fucking love because Chloe's all like, oh, I, I got into his computer, but he's deleted everything, but there's still an open socket. What does it mean, Chloe? <laughs> like, he's such a dick. And oh, I thought you were going to talk about He's not trading music files oh, in no, the office, Chloe. I'll, I'll get to <laughs> We might as well talk about it now. But yeah, when he's on uh, Henderson's computer, oh, Chloe's like, all I can find is like downloading files. Music. He's not doing like computer files. That's why I think when Chloe should be like, well, downloading music still illegal, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> we got cars. Bring him in. Put him in cuffs. Get, get the paddy wagon. Lime wire. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, Bizarre. <laughs> What's what I used to use? Bear share? 
Bearshare, Shazam. No, Shazam's the one on the phone. Was it Shazam? There wasn't. I think there was Kazam. There was a Kazam, but I'm pretty sure there was like a Shaz, there was a Shaz something. Um, what was it? Napster was the first one, right? Like Napster, the, and then there's Kazam. There was one called Audio Galaxy, which was actually mm. I, I that was the one I used the most. That one was great. Are you admitting stuff. you illegally yeah. downloaded files back in the day, Colin? Because no. I definitely wouldn't still do that today in 2023. <laughs> definitely wouldn't do that. Who would do that still with how, all these widely available shows? How else is somebody supposed to be able to get the adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai across the eighth dimension? <laughs> <laughs> which Jamie and I watched last night, oh, by the way. Oh, wow. Legally, though, if I could interrupt for a second. So never, last Colin, week I, I never do that to you. <laughs> uh, last week, I mentioned that, like, even before we recorded our episode, Jamie, not even realizing that Peter Weller is in 24, she's like, I want to watch Robocop. Uh, I kept telling her about Buckaroo Bonsai. So uh, last week uh, or last night, I'm like, it's on Tubi TV, which is like you know, uh, Netflix, but you have to watch with ads. Yeah, I used to watch that in Canada uh, a lot. So I started showing it to her and it's like, it's one of these things where you start watching it. You're like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And then you realize it's intentionally the dumbest thing. Like this movie is crazy. And wait until like, we have to cover this movie because the amount of actors in this that are significant to things that we've talked about or loved. I mean, Christopher Lloyd is in this and obviously Peter Weller. Um, you said Jeff, Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum as a scientist who just happens to dress like the most uh, flamboyant cowboy ever with chaps made of sheepskin that Jamie looked at so and Jeff said... Jeff Goldblum just showed oh, those... up to sit in his normal clothes then. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, big actor in there, the guy who plays Kaufman in Tomorrow Never Dies is an alien in it. Oh. Uh, and oh. Jonathan Banks oh. as Mike. A, a complete jerk of a hospital, like a psychiatric ward hospital guard uh, who gets killed by John Lithgow. Like, what a movie. Let's cover this. I, I just, I, can I just commend your relationship? You're just sitting around on a on a Monday, Tuesday night. Let's watch Bingarang Bong and the Bung. Buckaroo Bands, or whatever it's called. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Like, literally, like, Jamie just mentioned things to watch, and you're like, oh, thank God I don't have sex again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of me, when I've been in a relationship, let's have sex. No, let's watch Buckaroo Bands. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, we've never seen the adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai across the eighth dimension. Yeah, but we haven't had sex in eight years. Um, <laughs> referencing any past relationships. Um, but we've been talking about Buckaroo Bonsai and Jack and... Oh, the downloading, right? Okay. Yeah, Jack's yeah. a bit of a to Chloe. So anyway, the socket's open. Uh, Chloe's all like, oh, the socket's open at like 17 Henderson Street. Wait, that's where he lives. Okay. Um, so I love it. We're going to send a tech team out there. No, damn it, Chloe, don't do that. He thinks I'm dead. I'm just going to knock on the door. Okay. So, um, Jack literally does just basically like walk into the house where we meet Miriam, uh, the wife who she's off something, Miriam, isn't she? What's she yeah. off? You know, I, I had to look at it afterwards and it wasn't watching. I may have remembered she was in it at the time, but, uh, it wasn't watching the episode, but it was her voice. I'm like, I don't recognize this lady, but like her voice sounds familiar. But uh, this is the, I don't know if you ever saw the Poltergeist movies. No. This is the mom from the Poltergeist movies, Joe Beth Williams. I'm saying she's um, in Kramer vs. Kramer. I love that movie. Uh, she was in The Nine with Kim Raver. She was in Dexter. There's a connection there. Uh, Frasier. Uh, we talked about that recently in an episode. She was in Rosalia Niles. Jungle to Jungle. Oh, maybe that's what I know her from. Was she the, was she Tim Allen's wife in that? I think she was, yeah. Okay, then I think that's seriously where I know her from. She was a bit younger than that, but actually not that younger. That was only been about nine years before this. But don't be mean, Ben. Well, it's 
it's weird because like if if you see her in anything else, it's just a slight difference with her hair in this. But it's like it's one of these things where the hair completely makes it because she mm. doesn't look older that much older than like Jungle to Jungle or Poltergeist even. But it's the voice. As soon as I heard the voice, I'm like, why do I know that voice? Mm. When are we doing Jungle to Jungle? Great movie. Oh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to uh, tabulate. I, I'm going to have to make a official list. Like, yeah. Who, who have we covered the most? And I think we're at like 10 Keanu Reeves movies right now, 11 Arms Force Singer ones. I know Tim Allen's up there for the amount we've done, but like we've got enough material on Tim Allen. We have never done Wild Hogs, Jungle to Jungle. I know you're a big furniture or poor fan. Yeah. Uh, there's still a lot, plenty of Tim Allen. And Big Trouble, the one he did with Renee Russo, we got to do that. Lily Sabowski's in um, Jungle to Jungle. I loved her as a kid. <laughs> She hasn't been mentioned since, I don't know, the last time right. C. Thomas Howell was mentioned. <laughs> Whatever happened to Lily Sabat? Sabat I can't even say her name. She was a big deal for five minutes, Deep Impact. She did that um, Joan of Arc miniseries, I remember. Oh, did you ever see the movie Joyride with her and Steve Zahn and Paul Walker? No. She was in Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, definitely need to see that movie now. Um, But also, she was in that... Uh- that would be your movie this year, and she's basically a 15-year-old girl who sleeps with older men. <laughs> I was like 13 at the time, so it's fine. Uh, it's like Coming when I on w- to Tom Tom Cruise. It's like when I watched Harriet the Spy recently. I'm like, I shouldn't be attracted to Michelle Trachtenberg. She's like 11, but like I watched that movie when I was like nine, and I was in love with her. So that's like kind of weird, but okay. She was um oh she did that TV show that like really short-lived cop show um NYC 22. It only lasted like 10 episodes, but it was actually really good. It had like Adam Goldberg in it. Um, it was just like uh, young rookie cops in the NYPD. Uh, no one remembers it, but like, I think I, I think like, I w- watched it because she was I'm, in it. I'm like, oh, Lily Sabowski's in something. Is that like America's Rookie Blue? Maybe. Rookie Blue is like a Canadian, sounds basically like a Canadian show, Rookie Blue. I thought you were talking about The Rookie with Nathan Fillion, which is still going. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you, Nathan Fillion. He but hasn't me... been a rookie for the last six seasons. But like, like I just, I, the point of some of these shows that you see the premise of it, like, oh, that won't last. Like, again, I that's love That's what I you. think about Blue Bloods. Well, that's what, I think it's still CBS's highest rated show. Like, I mean, I love you, Julie McMahon. Seriously, I love you. But how is FBI Most Wanted still a thing? <laughs> Like, you, you, you're well, so much better than that, Julian. Get on something else. I just love all the uh, news stories that have come over the last couple of weeks. It's like, NBC has officially axed MacGyver. And I'm like, that show lasted past episode one? I like, I'm doing this rewatch ahead of our 20th Nip Tuck anniversary. Just the caliber of acting in that show, the storylines, the writing that Julian McMahon and Dylan Walsh have to do. And one of them's a star of FBI Most Wanted. The other plays a <laughs> recurring character of the mayor of New York City on Blue Bloods. Like, it just, it offends me. It offends me. Um, and where's C. Thomas Howell in this mix? <laughs> dead. Um, <laughs> so Jack shows up. Hey, Miriam, haven't seen you in a while. Lol. By the way, your husband's evil. No, he isn't. Okay, can I go on your computer? Sure. Uh, <laughs> you downloaded music, you bitch. Uh, <laughs> Share it with me. Here's a floppy disk. That was still around in like 2006, weren't they? Probably zip drive back then, actually. Um, but I actually like kind of like this. Like I've, I'm making fun of it, but I really do like this because sort of, I love sort of Jack's sort of standoff because we sort of even get this whole sequence here where Miriam's sort of like, oh, how dare you? Like, Christmas not evil. Like, we checked in on Kim when you were dead. Remember your daughter? I just want Kim next week to be like, never checked in on me. Yeah. <laughs> Liar. She's and you know, the evil. whole time that you were dead, Dad, the Henderson's never bothered to call me. <laughs> Which I still think, like, are they doing this in a way that you're trying to meant to believe that he's not evil, well, even though we know he's evil? 
No, so um, I'm, the the commentary on this episode uh, it included like the the screenwriter Nicole whatever it included Duppy Demetrius and then uh, Matt I can't remember his name Matt something or other a couple of the writers of the season but basically they say their jobs are they're kind of like the script coordinators and then the script supervisors so they're kind of giving a commentary on um, the side of we're the ones that keep up with continuity on the show and everything and uh, one of the things that they mentioned was that. Henderson uh, or Peter Weller had basically only signed on for three episodes. So mm. at this point, they think we got him next week and then we're done. And then at the last minute, uh, Peter Weller is like, oh, I had a commitment and they pushed the start date so I could stick around longer. So they, they decide to keep him around, which another bit of trivia on this. Um, they basically reveal having recorded this before season six existed. They're like, so by the way, Peter Weller's character was originally written to be Jack Bauer's brother. And at one point, his dad was going to appear on the show too, which obviously I'm glad they didn't do in this season, but they're like, oh, we really wanted that brother thing and then the dad, so let's just use it next season. No disrespect to Paul McCrane, but I think Peter Weller pulls off a better brother than Paul McCrane. It makes McCrane. more sense. Like, yeah. I don't want that, like, using a brother and a father is just jump the shark moment anyways. But if you're going to do it with somebody, I mean, Peter Weller makes more sense. Which I still, to this day, I think the best revelation we got on that 24 reunion we did the other year was when I asked John Kazar, I'm like, please tell me you tried to get Donald Sutherland as Jack. Yeah. And they said, yes, we did. So that made me very happy because no disrespect to James Cromwell. I know we're going to get to that next season. But I was like, oh, thank God that 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 makes me a happy man. If he'd have been like, no, we didn't think about it or no, that was stupid. Like, like, imagine if, if they had gotten Donald Sutherland next season, I don't think I'd hate it as much. You know, uh, just a little bit more on Henderson, like the fact that they only thought they had him for three episodes here. Uh, it, it makes me, I, I think, accept the the conflict a little bit more between like, who's the villain, Bierko or Henderson? Because having never known that, we were already talking the last couple of weeks about the fact that it's like, well, you introduce two new villains at the same time. And this is how Bierko kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Oh, he obviously so. was meant to, <laughs> yeah, like he, he was not meant to be lost in the shuffle. He was their big villain. And pretty much everything we watch, not next week, but after next week going forward, we're going to have to kind of look at is and like, Oh, this was probably supposed to be Bierko doing this and not mm. uh, Henderson. Yeah. And I think, I've said this a few times around the Logan stuff, and I'll keep saying this. I mean, this season still to me stands up more as a the first time you watch it is like, wow. And I'm not to say this season still a great season, but it's like a lot of things that will come with the Henderson Bierko kind of this whole tangent of conspiracies and everything. Like, again, it gets very convoluted, and I've got a big issue with that moving into next season and season seven when they just go, they, they lose track of what they're trying to do with it. It just gets too silly. Mm. Um, but like, yeah, these initial moments when I remember watching this live for the first time and you're like, oh, who is this guy? And like, how's it getting connected? Like, it's, it's really good, but knowing what happens, it kind of takes a little bit away from it. But I mean, not to take away from all of this. So like, basically Jackson Miriam, uh, we he, like, oh, he's not evil. He's not evil. Well, I found some secret files. Well, that doesn't mean anything, Jack. Tell me the password. I don't know it. Okay. Chloe hack into it. She's like, Okay. So then Henderson comes home. Hi, honey. Brought some milk. Pack a suitcase. We're going on a holiday. Uh, so then Jack gets him, holds him hostage, puts handcuffs on him. And then just this whole sequence is just incredible. Like he just basically is like berating Henderson. Like, damn it. You're evil. You're evil. Tell Miriam. I don't know what you're talking about, Jack. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. It's like, open the, open the briefcase. Open the briefcase, Miriam. And like it's it's almost like soap opery because like I love the way that deliberately the briefcase is facing Jack. 
So he has to turn it around dramatically and dump the money on the table. And she's like, <gasps> money? Like, why does it money always signify someone's evil? Couldn't like Henderson just be like, uh, that's our loan for our new patio that you asked me to get. And you know, I asked for it in cash. Yeah. Oh, of course you did. I, I was thinking about like Henderson, because Henderson's very smart. And one of the things I love about his character is that he's always on top of things. Like Jack thinks he has one up on him and Henderson's like, no, I got an explanation. Like last week, he's like, I totally have an explanation for that. And, and even with the whole locked, I love the wife. He locked me in a basement. And like, well, maybe he didn't know. It's like, <laughs> he locked me in a room that <laughs> detonated a bomb woman. <laughs> I think Jack's but, just uh, catching up from last week because he realized he was so stupid. And this week he's just snappy Jack. <laughs> but but Henderson had a perfectly plausible explanation. You'd be like, "Do you know the terrorist attacks that are going on?" It's like the banks could be hit next. I took out as much cash as we could so we could hide it in the mattress. Yeah, exactly. The president, the former president, was shot. Like, yeah, you know what that means. <laughs> um, but through all of this, basically, he's all like, "You know, damn it, Henderson, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. You know where the Centox is. There's 18 attacks happening today. Like, yeah, okay, whatever, Jack." So he's pointing the gun. I love, like, this is just what's so good. I remember watching this live, like, not expecting what was to happen. He's pointing the gun at Henderson's knee. He's like, go on, Jack, that's it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do exactly as I told you. Shoot him in the knee. Shoot him in the knee. That's how you do it. So then Jack sort of, like, looks at him. And then out of nowhere, shoots Miriam in the knee. Which, can I just say, the screen cap of our episode this week is the facial expression that Miriam gives. It's one of my favorite oh, facial expressions good. in all of 24. <laughs> She's all like, Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> It's not meant to be funny because like I'm putting this up as it won't make the top five, but this has got to be an. I just love this is such a kick-ass. I got scene. it as an honorable mention. It's such a kick-ass Jack scene because then even the way Henderson is like, "Damn it, Jack! What are you doing, you bastard? You bastard! You better shoot me, and that's what I, I trained you." Um, and Miriam just going, "Ooh, my knee!" It's so funny her face. Um, but then what makes this even better? Like this is all powerful enough, and then essentially just like, "Come on, Henderson, tell me, tell me!" And she's just, and he's just basically like, "I can't," and she's just like, "What?" It's like, "Sorry, I, I forgive me." And then Jack's like, "Who are you? You've got no soul, you bastard!" Uh, it's just, it's so dramatic and over the top, but it's so fucking good. I, as I mean, kind of wish this was the cliffhanger. Like it's, I mean, the cliffhanger is fine. Like I kind of like the execution style thing and oh, dit, 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 they're attacking CTE. But as you mentioned, it's kind of already alluded to. So it's kind of, it's not like yeah. we don't know that. I feel this should be the cliffhanger. Like, I don't know about you, but um, mm. I love this. It's so good. Like Jack is just back to on form after being dumb face last week. So just an epic, this is up there with, I'm going to need a hacksaw and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to shove this towel down your towel. throat and just any epic Jack. But this is up there with the, the classic Jack. Just Jack shoots a man's wife in the knee <laughs> to get information. Uh, yeah. I'm, first of all, when he comes in there, I mean, when he tasks himself to go to Henderson's, this is where I start to have a bit of a problem with Jack this season. I feel like you could have added a little bit more depth to his character. And this is no knock against Kiefer Sutherland. This was his Emmy year or whatever. But uh, when Bill's basically saying, all right, I'm going to send a team to Henderson's house. And he goes, no, Henderson will see him coming. I need to go alone. Like, uh, I, I hate it in like every movie where somebody's like, I got to do it alone. I mean, the one that did it right was Galaxy Quest when <laughs> Tim Allen's like, uh, you guys go ahead. I got to do this alone. It's like, oh, you've always got to be the hero. But like it, it's starting to feel like you know this is 
the the Jack Vanity project, right? Like there's no logic to him going alone, especially when, if he shows up there and Miriam's the only one there. That's when you should be saying, all right, Henderson's not here. Send in your team, have them hide in the, the closet or something like that. But then when he goes in and he's got a gun on her the whole time, like you go in there and you reason with this woman. You say, listen, I got to tell you, this is what's happened. She is the one who actually brings some logic to this. Jack, you're not going to shoot me. Why do you have a gun on me? But of course, the reason for this is because they're trying to build towards the end of the episode. Yeah. So it's one of these things where when you're watching the episode, you're like, why does he have a gun on her? And then, of course, when you see what he's do doing later on, you remember that line, you're not going to shoot me. Th then it plays a little bit better. But uh, uh, yeah, when Henderson comes in, I mean, th this is just Peter Weller still trying to talk his way out of things. Like he's so convincing. Like this is why Peter Weller is such an underrated actor because anybody else delivering these lines you're like he's definitely still evil and we know he's evil but you get from miriam's point of view why she's believing him still you know it's like this is my husband and, and, and i love that jack is just like scrambling he's like i need something i need something how am i gonna prove that he's evil like i told her that he tried to blow me up you know he, he's coming home in the middle of a work day when he should be at work like all the things that bad guys usually do <laughs> Uh, and then he's like, I know. And he dumps the bag. It's just like, gotcha. But that's why I want Henderson to have like one more moment. And I think that the scene may have even played even better if Henderson had an explanation for the money. Yeah. Uh, cause then when Jack does it, cause what I kind of want out of this, and again, no knock against Keith Sutherland or anything else with the season, but like, I, I would have loved that depth of Jack has maybe gone a step too far, uh, because that's what this scene amounts to. It, it it is about the fact that Jack has been told, no, you, you do it like I trained you to, shoot me above the kneecap. And then when he shoots her instead, he's he's pulling a speed. He's like, shoot the hostage, right? Uh, and then he even has that line where, which is, it's it's so much like the, the towel line, about, I could shove this all the way down your throat or whatever, and you wouldn't die until uh, I reach your stomach lining. This is like, you know, she, she can still walk, but uh, give her a couple of minutes and she's going to lose a leg or whatever it is he says. Like, it's just a vicious uh, thing he does. And then the moment that Kiefer has that, uh, where he, he has that realization, he's just watching and he's like, yeah, I'm still being angry, Kiefer. And then all of a sudden he's like, he's not going to budge. He's like, oh my God, what have I done? I shot a woman. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Women and I, children. What have I done? But uh, that moment is like, I, I, I wanted more buildup of that. I wanted it to, to be where maybe Chloe's on the other line the whole time. He's like, Jack, what are you doing? And, you Jack's been out of the game for a while. It's like then he could be questioning himself. Do I still have it? Am I am I making these rations? Did camera. I need to come? Do in I still have it? <laughs> <laughs> did I need to come in alone? Why didn't I see vote the now? Hashtag should I? Shouldn't I? <laughs> exactly. There you go. You got your early social media. Uh, but still, I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with the scene. This is one of these things where uh, I I pretty much forgot that she was a part of the show. And then when you had sort of mentioned like Henderson's wife, I'm like. Oh, yeah, yeah, the white thing. Like, it starts to come back. He starts flooding back. But the scene plays even better than I remembered it being. It's 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 a fantastic moment. And I I, I don't think I'll end up fighting for this as the top five at the end of the season. But uh, I definitely want many. it to be on our honor. It's got to be an honorable mention, yeah. at least. Um, too many there, other there, now, scenes, but you're right, yeah. Only other thing to add on this is that Jack the hypocrite. And this is where, again, you could start to build on, like, where is Jack's logic? Like, where is his mind at right now? Because when he's on the phone with Chloe and Chloe's getting stressed out, which she's always stressed out, but when she's getting stressed out, like, oh, Jack, I got to find the, the, the hospital. The hospital is like, Chloe, Chloe, calm down. Listen, there's 18 canisters out there. We're probably not going to stop them all. One hospital, you got to move past it. 
is this not the exact opposite thing of what he mm. himself talked about with the mall? Like, mm -hmm. this is where he becomes a bit of a hypocrite, point. which I'd be fine with, but play up on that would actually make it a really great character arc where you're playing up on that, where it's like, but but the but the mall and the hospital, like where what where is my thinking right now? Because he basically said, forget about the other 18 canisters yeah. or 19 or however it was at the time. We gotta save them all. And now it's the same thing with the hospital. And he says, Pokemon. let them go. Half of them are dead anyways. It's a hospital. Yeah, great. <laughs> They're old. Um, that's a great point. I think the thing with Jet, like, yeah, it's. I think you touched on a good point there because this trope of Jack's out somewhere, he's in China, he's in Russia, he's dead, he's not there, and they got to bring him back. Like, it's always the way you start a season. The thing that gets old and forget, like, is he they just gets over it so quickly and then within, like, four hours yeah. he's just normal Jack. Now... On any other TV show, this would be fine. If this was just a non-real-time show, yeah, you don't know how much time has passed. It's fine. The issue you do have with this show is this is 11 hours after he was just fucking Connie Britton and, you know, not getting put on the work shift that day and he's just back to normal Jack and everyone's accepted it. Like, that's an mm -hmm. issue. What, this is, again, one of these rare times when you praise season six but where it goes off the rails so quickly and I've touched on this before, and I really hope you agree with me when we get to this next season. What season six does so well in those first, first four episodes is when you bring Jack back, you have a defeated Jack. You have a damaged mm -hmm. Jack. You have a Jack questioning if he's fit to do this. He's literally saying, I can't do this anymore. He literally walks away from everything because he has been tortured somewhere. I won't spoil the end of this season for a long period of time. But then they just flick a switch. Hey, he's dad. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. it goes away too quickly. I would have loved an entire season of Jack doing that. And you could have done something with him in this season, you know. Like, it's just, it's forgotten about so quickly that this guy was dead 11 months ago, 11 hours ago, you know? And, yeah, but... You, like, I think where it bothers me the most is that everybody else this season has been given depth to their character. They've been given, you know, flaws and, and mistakes to deal with. And if if I'm going to come out of this season with a negative opinion about anything, it's going to be about the portrayal of Jack's character. Mm. And it's not that he doesn't have great moments. It's that you expect more from his character. Uh, and watch watching it the first time around, you don't care. You want to see, like, the Jack, back, Jack, Jack, Jack Black Power Hour. Yeah, yeah Jack Black. Uh, the Jack... <laughs> The Jack Bauer power hour, like you mentioned, like you want, you know, crazy Jack, but like I want a little bit more, especially five seasons in. And when it's, I think it's because I'm seeing how much they're giving Logan. Like I, I, I praised last week, we're seeing, even though we kind of know where they're going with Logan, I think at this point in the season, they probably had an idea we're going this. We're still seeing Logan having to deal with issues where he's questioning, oh, like, am I making the right call here? Yeah. And I think that's a valid point because there's, we love this show for Jack Bauer, the Jack Bauer power. We love these crazy things. We've just talked this up. We've talked him up shooting Miriam in the knee. But, like, that's why I love season one so much because you've got this different Jack who's so, like, family-oriented and he's got a, he's got mixed things that he's got to do. What can he do for his job and everything? And, like, by this point, like, as great as this season is, like, we're going to get an amazing scene with Kim next week. We had a great scene with Audrey a few weeks ago. There's some okay stuff with Audrey later on and a terrible thing with Audrey. Like, there's still some emotional depth in this season. But, like, outside of those things, it's just Jack's just kind of like a action man who just, you know, is Superman in many ways, which is great. Mm. I'm not taking away from that. I love that. But, yeah, you're right. Like, we don't get a lot of emotionalness with Jack. And moving forward, like, 
yeah, there's stuff we do get, but it's, I, it's again, season one, why I love it so much, because that's just what we get. Which, and Kiva shines in that sort of stuff. I mean, again, yeah, yeah, he won an Emmy for this. Not to take away from this, it's still a great season. I don't want to talk this season down. It's still amazing. But, like, I think this is where, again, season one might take the cake for me in terms of the greatest season because you've got all these layers which this show forgets about, which it, it had in those early days, which I think people forget about because... By this point of the show, everybody just knows Jack Bauer is fucking shooting women in the leg and next season he's becoming a vampire. Like, I mean, you know, like, I mean, it's just... I still have no memory of that. I can't wait till we get to that. Brilliant. It's so good. Um, Anything else? I've I've gone over everything, I think. And in terms of the trivia, um, I think we covered it all, really. You mentioned, obviously, Um, the deleted scene. Um, Yeah, I, I... the commentary, I didn't even get to finish the commentary, but I mean, I, I will praise if anybody can listen to the commentary because, again, they do these fun things where they bring a different perspective. It's not just let's have the director and one of the actors on. They'll do a commentary with Sean Callery. They'll do a commentary here with the script supervisors. I mean, the writers of this episode as well. But I mean, the script supervisors basically talk about like how hard their job is of having to keep track of that continuity where they're like, OK, and this doesn't work and this doesn't work and this contradicts this and this is coming up in another episode. Uh, what I found really funny though is that uh, they, when one of the scenes with Mike, they were mentioning like the Mike and Palmer drama that went down, and these are the script supervisors and continuity coordinators and stuff like that, and they're saying it's like, yeah, I believe it was back in season three when Mike and uh, Palmer had their falling out. I'm like, your entire job is keeping track of continuity, and you messed up the season. <laughs> I can't like. It's got to be one of the hardest jobs, if not the hardest job on any TV series, oh, especially on Twenty Four, because yeah, this is. Well, season one, it probably would have been easier because you don't expect rewatch to happen. But as soon as you know that binge watching has now been created by this show, now you're like, everybody's going to be picking us apart. And I think I'd almost, yeah, you're right. But I also think that back then you'd get away with a little bit more just because social media wasn't really a thing. Weekly recaps, like little things that we get now. Like, yeah, there were internet articles, there were certain things, but and there were forums. But like what we're doing now wasn't happening, you know, 18 years ago. There, there was, there was no Starbucks cup in game of Thrones or, or t-shirt guy in Mandalorian. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like now where you've got those things where I think a lot of people are a lot more careful. Um, yeah. but yeah, like still like it existed. I mean, obviously the whole hand shot shot first, uh, controversy in the late nineties was a thing. And that, you know, wasn't really back in the day of, uh, podcasts and everything along those lines. Um, so the book doesn't really tell anything. It just says that the all the Fox news, all the Fox News Channel broadcasts uh, were real, uh, as in like they were produced by the twenty four people. So they did that themselves. It's got a bit about um, Roger Cross saying that the scene with him with the canister was one of his favorite of the season. Um, yeah, for the amount of money I paid for this book, Tara Delulia Bennett, this is maybe the worst official guide I've had so far. Um, so are their pictures good though? Like they literally, because this is obviously only covering one season. Like half the book is Michelle Desler rip, um, <laughs> David Palmer rip. Um, cool. It's got like a, a dossier on um, Curtis, basically saying that he's got a Bachelor of Arts. So this um, is the dossier on <laughs> Curtis Manning. Yeah, he he went to university, so he was played by Roger Cross, Canadian <laughs> actor. Roger Cross is in the book going, "Hello, I play Curtis Manning." Um, <laughs> I'm buying it. Like I, I think I gave away last yeah. week. Uh, obviously that uh, you know I've only really got 
two rents and a bin for the rest of this season. Everything else is a buy. So I'm on another streak of buys from this point on for a little bit. But um, yeah, it's still a buy. Like, as I said, the, the Miriam knee scene maybe takes it from a high rent to a buy. Um, it's just epic. It's a, it's a Jack moment that we love. And, you know, we've talked about these OTT Jack moments, like him robbing a liquor store, some things that will not work. And there will still be some OTT Jack moments that still don't work. But this is one that definitely works. It's great. It's tense. It's amazing. It definitely works. It definitely works. So yeah, it's still a buy from me. I'll I'll talk about my ranking of it in a second though. Um. Yeah, it's a buy from me. Um. I, I. I. The funny thing is, I don't think that it's that different from the last two episodes. This is still well, we're killing a bit of time, you know. But uh, obviously, I have less issues with this week. I still have some issues with it, but like I forgive the issues, particularly because of the Jack Miriam stuff that's so good and then the hospital stuff as well uh so i mean it's it's not going to be the highest buy i've ever had but um it's somewhere in the middle i, I could give my ranking now unless you no want no the please do colin first. i i would appreciate that i have this at number 38 overall so uh, maybe my uh what do i have i have 58 buys right now so it's in my lower 20 buys this is number 40 for me so very close and I have 66 buys right now. So, uh, yeah, I've got this just below episode 14 of season three, just above episode 19 of season one. And I will spoil and say that overall, this will finish at 65th on my list. So it only drops about 20 spots uh, with what's to come from that. But whew, one episode that's definitely dropping oh. this a spot is next week. Now, <laughs> yeah. I got mad at you. Where did you put episode one of this season? 10th or 9th? 8th or ninth. Oh, it still hurts my heart. I, um, I was thinking about it this morning. I'm like, I stand by that. Stand by it. Um, if you put this episode anywhere near that next week, I don't know what I'll do. But, I mean, ooh, boy, oh, boy, wowee, next week is an incredible episode. I think we've got two scenes. I mean, one scene's a guarantee to make the top five. Might even be the number one moment of the season. But I will fight to the death for one scene next week. The Jack and Kim scene, I Fucking love that scene to death. Oh, that's the one. Wow. Oh, the, the scene at the end of the episode is the is the uh, probably number one of the season. But like in terms of there's a scene next week that I it made my top. Tw- I think from memory this was the last episode. I should know. I think it was the episode after that was the last episode that had aired when I made my top twenty four moments of twenty four. So the Kim Jack scene next week makes it, and the end of next week makes it. But like just everything about next week is amazing. The last. 10 or so minutes of next week might be the best single 10 minute stretch in any episode of 24. It's incredible. Um, and the ending is just for, for the character it involves to hit you mm. the way it hits you. You don't yeah. expect it. Like it, it just, it is done in such a way that you're like, should I be feeling this way about this person? But you do. And it's mm-hmm. fucking epic. I mean, again, Kimmy's back next week. Can I just say Kimmy's back? Why are we so excited for Kim coming back? Carrie's back too. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're actually only two weeks away. I thought, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll correct myself when I say about Homeland Security. Homeland Security is only in two weeks. We get to meet Karen in two weeks. Um, Henry and q in 24 in two weeks, Colin. Uh, hey, forget that. Gardner's next week. It is. Yeah, we do. We beat our VP next week. So a lot of people are just sort of popping up who make a prominent appearance. Well, I mean, Henry Q is in Cusick isn't really prominent, but I have a lot, that's a big plot hole in his storyline that will really piss me off. But anyway, next week. Have you watched it yet? If not, do you remember next week? No. I mean, I remember watching this live and just, I think I rewatched it. Like immediately after it finished it, I think I watched it straight away afterwards. It was just like, wow, that was an incredible hour of television. 
Yeah, so you won't have to worry at all because the reason I was thinking about whether I stand by my episode one ranking is because I was thinking about next week's episode and I'm like, oh, I know next week's is one of the ones because I mentioned back at episode one, I'm like, I can't rank episode one higher than this because I know that there are much better ones to come this season. Uh, and this is one of them. Like this will this will be a top 10 episode for me. Where it's going to land, I don't know because I, I don't want to watch this until we're closer to recording uh, because I know I absolutely love this episode and it's how stacked it is too, because you obviously remember the last 10 minutes as being the, the big thing. And so often we come into these episodes like the Chappelle death and uh, you know, the, the air force one, you're like, Oh, I remember that moment, but does the rest of the episode hold up? Like, is, is it, is it in the same league as that one great scene? And when you see everything that's in next week's episode, like this could have been a finale last, last year's finale, season four's finale doesn't hold a candle to this episode 12. And it's not even like, the end of one of their acts. It's not even like act one end, act two end. This is like, we're three episodes in, four episodes in to act two, and we're going to throw this at you. And the thing that is great about this episode too, it's a bit similar to Ozymandias in Breaking Bad, is that the iconic episode. But I think a lot of people think of that episode and realize that a lot of some of the great stuff that happens in the previous episode, I can never pronounce it, like Tohalogy or whatever it's called, right? So you kind of watch those two episodes as one. But obviously everybody talks about Aussie Manis. Everyone talks about this episode next week. But the following episode, episode 13, has some stuff which I often think is in next week's episode, but it's actually in the following week's episode. And episode 13 is also an absolutely amazing episode as well. But, yeah, there's so much stuff to love about this. You say that um, you said there were many more better episodes to come. I'm spoiling this now. This is the number one episode of the season next week. Uh, so this is oh. the only episode to me this season that will top the, the premiere episode, which is going to definitely spoil at least one position that I'm going to put it Not in Not even the week. finale? Uh, no, I've got that as the third best episode of the season. And okay. then episode 13 is the fourth best episode of the season. So spoiler alert for that. But um, yeah, it's it's it just reminds you of that Breaking Bad, sort of the, that pair of episodes that comes in season five. So uh, yeah. Next week will be great. Uh, in the meantime, our Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny review is out. Wow, Colin. Oh, Tom Cruise making it. I can't believe he played the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> that surprised that me. That man could do it all. I was like, hello, Tom. There you are. You're the Dial of Destiny. He is a, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a dish. Um, and this week also, American Graffiti dropping this Thursday, which... What a recap that was when we recorded that already, it's, wasn't it? It's Colin? Harrison Ford week. It really is. Um, so get on board, get involved in that. Our other shows are great as well. Listen to them. And thank you for tuning in. I should have, uh, we got another damn it this episode, by the way. We got a damn it Chloe, which might be the first ever damn it Chloe. Maybe. Uh, she deserves it. She did. Um, so we're up to five damn it's for the season. But on that note, my name is Ben. I don't even know if I'm going to know. This isn't really a quotable episode, was it? Uh, my name is Ben, and thank you. It was awful. <laughs> my name is Colin. <laughs> That's what I wrote. I don't know why that was so good. That was pretty good. That was Anya. The uh, orange trees. Thank you. There were no orange trees. It was awful. <laughs> uh, my name is Colin, and whatever didn't happen, make sure it doesn't happen again. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. 
And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)